What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Black Health Academy podcast. I'm Lisa A. Smith, the founder of the Black Health Academy and the host of this podcast. We are extending the life of the culture one episode at a time. Excited to welcome you back on today's episode, which is all about radical obedience. If this is your first time here or you're kind of new to the Black Health Academy ecosystem, then one thing you should know is that our mission with the work that we do around health, teaching you how to adopt a whole food plant-based diet, live holistically, and all of the health modalities that we teach here at the Academy are all designed with one sole purpose, and that is to help you live a life of radical obedience. And so I'm going to be talking about obedience today and giving you three characteristics or three ways to know whether or not you're living radically obedient, kind of to give you a framework to start thinking about. You may already know that you're not living radically obedient, you know, meaning that you've completely surrendered uh, your time on this planet to being in service to others, but making sure you're aligning your own personal gifts and talents to that service. And you may already know that you're not living radically obedient. However, you're not exactly sure um, how to know when you completely are, because maybe you have one foot in, but you know it's not 100% yet, but you're not sure what's missing. And so I'm going to kind of give you some practical information today about how to identify whether or not you're living a life of radical obedience. Listen, before we dive into today's episode, please make sure you've already clicked subscribe on this podcast. Make sure you're already a member of the Black Health Academy by visiting theblackhealthacademy.com, enrolling in our e-learning platform, which houses plenty of masterclasses on how to alleviate some of the most common chronic health challenges that disproportionately impact our community and communities of color. Everything from obesity to chronic stress to diabetes to hypertension to high cholesterol to kidney failure. Um, We talk about it all inside of the Black Health Academy because we have to get back to a place physically where we're able to thrive so that we can um, live a life of radical obedience. Right. And so that we can stop this trend of premature death and premature disability in our community. And so if you love what you hear today and you feel like I need to know more, I'm down for it all. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast here. New episode drops every Wednesday. New 60 second second tip of the week drops every Friday. And every first Saturday of the month, we teach a live nutrition class online entitled Get Planted, an introduction to a whole food plant-based lifestyle. So you want to get registered for that every first Saturday of the month. No charge except for your time and your attention. So with that being said, please enjoy this episode all about radical obedience. Hey, 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 what you got to say? (laughs) When you want a new continent, you got to come with new energy. So this is my first live here in Cape Town, South Africa, okay, where I decided to live for part of this summer. And I'm going to dive in today talking about radical obedience. Plus, I got a story to tell. I got a story to tell about something that happened uh, in traveling here to Cape Town, South Africa. 
So I'm excited to share that story with y'all today. But today I want to talk about radical obedience. I want to talk about three ways to know whether or not you're living a life of radical obedience. So you're going to want to sit back and enjoy this one. Um, if you have been listening any amount of time to me, then you know, like I teach plant-based nutrition. I'm a plant-based health coach. I'm a plant-based business coach. So I help individuals adopt a plant-based diet for their personal health. But then I also certify health professionals in plant-based nutrition and cognitive behavioral coaching so that they can get results for their patients and clients. Everything from mental health um, to general practitioner. Uh, so we have all type of health professionals in, our, in my program. And so I love this work. I am perfectly aligned with the work I do in this health space. I absolutely love teaching about the power of plants and the power of a whole food plant-based lifestyle, but I wasn't always here and I wasn't always this person. I have not always lived a life of radical obedience. And so I want to talk about three ways to know whether or not you're living a life of radical obedience, what to look out for. Some of you are maybe, you know, maybe you're 50% of the way there. Maybe you're 75%, maybe you're 90% there. Um, maybe you're not even on the radar and you know you're not showing up the way you were meant to in life. So I'm excited to talk about what that needs to look like and give you a practical framework today to decide what you need to be working toward right? Or so to help you check off the boxes you've already accomplished with regard to living a life of radical obedience. One of the things I tell my students constantly um, in Farm to Table, which is my plant-based coaching program, is that my mission is not to just help you adopt a plant-based diet for the sake of being plant-based. Don't get me wrong. This is a powerful regimen, powerful regimen. Like living a whole food plant-based lifestyle will change your life, but this is the crazy part. It will change the lives of everybody around you if you live it properly. Right. And so just the being healthy for the sake of being healthy, plant based diet is a game changer for that. But what I've decided to do is take it like 10 steps further. And not only do I live a plant based diet for the sake of being optimally healthy and having a healthy life expectancy, but I also live a plant based diet for the sake of living radically obedient. And so I want to talk about what radical obedience is today. I want to share with you three ways to know whether or not you're doing just that. And I'm going to share a story too that happened to me a couple of days ago um, in traveling here to Cape Town, South Africa. Um, you know, let me first define how I define radical obedience for you guys so you'll know what I'm talking about. Radical obedience is all about surrendering, okay? Radical obedience is surrendering to what you were assigned to do on this planet. So it's all about surrender. Um, it's all about the intersection of your gifts, your talents, and your assignment, all right? So the assignment came from above. The assignment is not yours, okay? So you don't decide what you were meant to do on this planet. That was already decided for you in the womb, okay? When you were on your way here, your assignment was divinely downloaded. And then your mission, you know, as you became a little human to a big human, most of y'all discovered y'all assignment as a little human. And for one reason or another, got off track and didn't follow it. You knew what you wanted to be when you were very young, when you were very little, right? Before you had all of these experiences and exposures in the world that changed your, you know, ideas or thought process, it was downloaded into you as a young person, um, what your assignment was. Some of you stayed on that track. Some of you did not. Okay. But 
radical obedience is all about surrendering to that, right? Finally saying enough is enough. I'm going to do what I was called to do and I'm going to live on assignment. All right. So that's what radical obedience is. And I want to give you a framework because I've been living a life of radical obedience for several years now. But I started in social work. Then, you know, I became a personal trainer and I did all of these things kind of dancing around the assignment. Right. But now I live optimally. I run my own business, the Black Health Academy, and I absolutely love it. Right. My gifts um, is it communication. So speaking and, and writing are my gifts. Um, and. My talents are mastery around nutrition science, right? Your talent is something that you acquired. Your gift is what, what naturally comes easier to you than it does for other people, all right? And so my talent is what I paid to acquire to master, right? So I understand nutrition science, not because it came naturally, but because I actually paid to get educated and continue to invest in my education around nutrition science so that can save lives, right? And so my mission on this planet is to extend the healthy life expectancy of people of color and I do that both by working with people of color one-on-one -on -one, right and helping them to adopt a plant-based lifestyle in order to live radically obedient and to reverse chronic lifestyle disease but then I also do that by um, certifying health professionals in plant-based nutrition so my way of extending the health of life expectancy of the culture is by training the people who works with them, right? Training the doctors, training the nurses, training the health coaches, training the mental health specialists, right? Training them so that they master nutrition science so they can join me in my mission to extend the life expectancy of the culture. So that's how I live radically obedient right now. And I know that I'm living radically obedient based on the three things I'm about to tell you that you need to look for, out for. Um, and also because anytime I'm speaking or teaching or coaching, so whether that's speaking to you guys this way or whether that's, you know, on a stage because I've been booked to speak or whether that's coaching in one of my programs, any one of those settings, right? I never feel more content than I do when I'm in one of those settings, right? When I am speaking or teaching or coaching, that is when my spirit is at, it is the most still. Right. It's not yearning for anything else. Not a cookie, <laughs> not a donut, not a slice of pizza. It's not yearning for Netflix and chill. My spirit is not jumping, saying I can't wait to get out of here and get back to my couch. Like everything that may be tempting when I'm not on that stage ain't tempting when I'm in front of y'all teaching. OK, so that's one cheat code to know. You know, when you're being radically obedient, what is that one thing you can be doing when you're in your spirit is the most at peace? Like, is that drawing for you? Is that singing for you? Is that writing for you? Right. Is that crunching numbers for you? Is that teaching? Is that playing with little kids? Is that helping seniors? I don't know. Right. Um, but that's when, you know, like, whoa, this is what I want to do all day, every day. All right. Um, and so let's talk about radical obedience and radical obedience. It can change. You know, your assignment can slightly shift from season to season. Right. But what you'll notice if you recount your past is that there's a common thread that ties everything together. And for me, it's teaching. Right. Even though when I was a personal trainer, I was teaching. Um, and so. It's important to know what that is as you um, dissect your your historical data of what you've done um, and what continues to draw you in in life. All right. But let's get into the list. All right. So here's three ways to know whether or not you're living a life of radical obedience. Three ways. All right. Here's number one. 
the first way is you're in um, you're in service and you're satisfied. This is a big one. OK, you're in service and you're satisfied. So what that means is a lot of time, one of the ways you know whether or not you're radically obedient is because you're in service. Rad radical obedience is always in service to others. Right. So that means that something you're doing is helping to make somebody else's life simpler. Right. And in its most basic definition in service means there's something you're doing. There's something you're giving. There is a service that you're offering. Um, there's a solution that you're providing to a marketplace that is making somebody else's journey or life easier. So one way to know whether or not you're radically obedient is that you're in service. However, you'll notice that I said the first way to know whether or not you're living a life of radical obedience is that you're in service and you're satisfied. So what does that mean? That means all work that is in service to others doesn't mean it's you're being obedient, that you're personally being obedient. So that means that you can be doing the work of Mother Teresa. <laughs> you can be do, like you can be like Lisa, I volunteer at the homeless shelter or I love to volunteer to talk to the victims of domestic violence or I work. It's just like me. I used to work in foster care. I used to work with children who have been taken out of their home by Child Protective Services because there was some type of neglect going or abuse going on in the home. It, that is beautiful work. Like it is, is honorary work. I still have plenty of friends and colleagues who still work for the state of Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. But I don't. You want to know why? Because that wasn't my assignment. But it sounds, it might even sound cold to say it, right? Like my assignment was not to be a social worker. Now, I did social work. It's honorable work. They don't get paid enough, kind of like teachers, right? Don't get paid enough. We, they should be getting paid the most, but it, they don't, right? And, and it's when you have one of those jobs that's honorable and selfless, it seems like, like, why would you turn that down? Why would you stop doing that? But the fact of the matter is, if it's not your assignment, it's not your assignment. And social work was not my assignment, okay? Therefore, I wasn't satisfied. So listen very closely. Radical, one of the ways to know whether or not you're radically obedient is that you're both in service and satisfied, right? So that means both parties are being satisfied. The children that I'm servicing as a social worker in foster care, plus me, okay? So the people that you're helping as a teacher, as a law enforcement agent, you know, as a social worker, as a therapist, they're being served and they're being helped and they're being satisfied by your service. But then at the end of the day, you should be too. Stop thinking just because you're in service that you're obedient. You have to be in service and satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. Because we all know it's a whole bunch of people in those jobs who are not satisfied, who hate their job. And there is no way in the heck you should be in, the, in a helping field like a social worker or a teacher or a law enforcement agent. And you hate it. Because it's selfless work, at least it should be. Okay, so one of the ways I want you to check in with yourself to determine whether or not you're living radical, radically obedient is if you're already in service, are you satisfied? All right, a couple examples of this. I, yeah, just yesterday, I went to this um, spot here in South Africa called Cape Point. 
um, and it's um, allegedly <laughs> the southernmost point in South Africa, and actually in the continent of Africa, right? The southernmost point where the Indiana and the Atlantic Ocean um, meet and collide, which is kind of a myth because there's no such thing as ocean. oceans are man-made, like Atlantic Ocean, Pacific Ocean, Indian Ocean, you know, are man-made, um, meaning the names of them are, right? So the bodies of, there's really only one body of water in the whole world, but we made, we did all this division like we do and started ca carving them out and calling them different things, but there's really no such thing as an Atlantic Ocean versus an Indian Ocean. That's neither here nor there. But the point is, I was there yesterday um, at Cape Point here in South Africa and this, um, our tour guide, it was an eight hours, like a half day excursion. It was a big deal. It was beautiful. It was just a phenomenal time. I went hiking and everything on Tabletop Mountain. It was wonderful. But the, the guide, the tour guide, he's like, me and him, when we were hiking, I was like the first one in the, I was like in front of everybody, right? Uh, he gave me this huge compliment. He's like, you're the most athletic person on this tour. Are you a professional athlete? I'm like, no, <laughs> these quads are man-made, are built from scratch, okay? Um, but anyway, and so we, he and I were sparking, sparked up a conversation, right? Because he and I were kind of walking really close to each other on the hike on the mountain. And he was telling me about the jobs he used to do. He's like, during the pandemic, you know, the touring was down. Obviously, people weren't allowed to travel, so I had to get a customer service job. He was working for a couple of the airlines, Lufthansa and some other airlines. He speaks a couple of languages. And he was like, you know, it was just horrible. I didn't like it, of course, right? I'm in customer service. I'm answering questions and stuff. And he's like, I just didn't enjoy it. And... He's like, I'm so happy to be back touring. Cause I was like, well, do you love this? I was like, you're so good at it. You're so knowledgeable. You know, your energy is fire. You seem to be really good at being a tour guide. And he's like, yes, I love it. He's like, when I go home, I have so much energy. He's like, I kind of let my body go during the pandemic. Now, when I get off of work, when I get off the tour bus, like I still got energy to go work out and do the things I want to do. And that's just really the perfect example of being in service and satisfied, right? A lot of us, we're exhausted from our job, typically not physically, typically more mentally and emotionally exhausted because we hate it. And so one of the things and one of the key indicators for me that I'm radically obedient is that when I get off a stage or when I get done teaching some clients or coaching some clients, like I'm hype, like I have energy, like I'm like, what's next? Who's next? Who about to come get this health? Like who in line? Like y'all line up for an hour and ask me questions afterwards. I'm here for it. I got time today. Like when you do the work that you were called to do and when you're on assignment, it energizes you. It does not drain you. And that's because the people you are serving are satisfied and you are satisfied. A lot of in business, if you guys, any of you have ever studied business, and I know when I went to school for my MBA, you know, one of the things we learned about in, in running company, or I might have learned this on my entrepreneurial journey, but just about the internal customer, right? And so... When you have a company, for example, you have the external customer, which is the person you're serving, who's ever buying your book or buying your food or, you know, whatever, who's paying for your coaching. That's your external customer. The internal customer is the person, the people who work for you. Right. So you got to please the clients, the external customer, but then you also have to please your staff, right? So it's, it's so important as an entrepreneur that you keep both customers happy, your external and your internal customer. 
or one of the things you have to remember when it comes to living a life of radical obedience is that you are in that pool of internal customers. Come on now. And so just like if you have a staff who works for you, you are part of this. I'm a CEO. I'm the CEO of my company. I am not the company, right? The company, the Black Health Academy is a is an entity in and of itself. I am the CEO of the company. Therefore, I am an internal customer of the company. Therefore, it is my responsibility to make sure that the CEO is just as satisfied as the other internal customers and as the external customers. So when you are in service, you are also and you and if you are also satisfied, that means that's one sign that you are living radically obedient. Okay. That's one sign that you are living radical, radically obedient. You're in service and you are satisfied. So stop thinking that just because you're doing work that is honorable, that is in the helping field, you know, and this includes volunteer work. I literally, before I came on here, just got off a suitability interview for someone who applied for Farm to Table. And she told me, she's like, I'm doing this work for my church. Um, I have all these responsibilities at my church. And it does nothing for me and I don't like it. She's in service. She's volunteering her time for her church. Like that's service, right? Like that's one of the biggest acts of service you can, you know, do in service to God and in service to God's children. But she don't like it and she want out and she's like, I want to pass this to somebody else. And that's available to you. Don't think like you can volunteer and still be radically obedient. I do it every month. At a class that I teach called First Saturdays. If you guys ain't been to my First Saturday class with the Black Health Academy, you missing out. I do a class every first Saturday of the month called Get Planted, an introduction to a whole food plant-based lifestyle. And that I do not charge for that class. I've been doing that class for, it'll be four years, damn, this month in July. Woo! Four years this month that I've been teaching First Saturdays. This class has always been free. It's always over two hours long. And I come on and I coach people in their health. I have a topic every month. Last month, I taught about chronic kidney failure. And I come on, I teach the science behind the disease. And I teach how to use a plant-based diet to alleviate the disease, right? It's some heavy lifting I do in these. These is not general, let me just like come on and give fluff. No, no, no. I, I sometimes do research for these classes. I, I put slides together for these classes. Like I'm tuned in. Like I teach... I'm in service. That is my volunteer work at my company, right? We give that away for free every month and lives are changed because of it. But I'm still operating and within that intersection of my gifts, my talents and my assignment. Right. And so I'm still even in my volunteer work. I am not deviating from my obedience. And so you have to understand if you are obedient you are in service and satisfied. And the moment at which that class becomes unsatisfying or ungratifying to me, I'm going to pass it on or decommission it. And that's okay. All right. Okay. So that's the first sign that you're radically obedient. The second sign that you're radically, the, the second thing that um, indicator that you're radically obedient is that you operate more on faith than you than you do works. All right. So most of you have heard the saying, right, the scripture that, you know, works without faith is dead, works without faith is dead. I just did a whole talk about this a couple episodes ago on the podcast. 
works without faith is dead. All right. However, the formula for living a life of radical obedience is faith without works is dead. It's literally the inverse of that. So works without faith is dead. And that's been ingrained in so many of us for so long that many of us have mastered the works. Like, I know I got to do the work. I know I got to do the work. I know I got to do the work, right? So much so that a lot of us have abandoned the faith part without even realizing it. We're, re we're relying so much on our hard work to get us ahead and to get us to that life of abundance that we desire that we forgot about the faith part. So one way to know whether or not you're living radically obedient is that faith leads your decisions before hard work does. This is a paradigm shift that can take a crap ton of time to comprehend. Faith leads your decision making as opposed to hard work. Okay, so there are some things that I want to do in my professional life right now, in my personal life right now that cost more money than I have. Okay, <laughs> shout out to everybody else, raise their hand if that's them. Like there's some stuff in life right now that costs more money than what I currently have. Now, what the old paradigm would have told me is that just go out here and do what's required to get the money, meaning work, you know, take any job, take, take any gig, you know, invite um, prospects and clients into my program who I know technically ain't qualified and aren't ready, right? Because I'm just in the pursuit of money so that I can do what I want to do, right? And so that's what the, the, the operating system that many of us have operated on, right? Like just work hard, right? Just stay up later, go harder, grind harder, sacrifice, right? This, this means that, you know, you should be sacrificing um, stuff to get what you need to do what you want to do. That's not what a life of radical obedience requires. A life of radical obedience says the complete opposite. It says, okay, we got the problem. You have more desires than you have money, okay? However, a life of radical obedience says that you're going to rely on faith to get those things done as opposed to hard work, meaning I'm not going to sacrifice my health. I'm not going to sacrifice my time with family and friends. I'm not going to sacrifice my faith, my time with God. I'm not going to sacrifice. But that's what most of us have done to get what we have in life. Like a lot of you have a lot of nice stuff. You got houses, you got cars, you know, you have disposable income, you have status, you have degrees, you have certificates, and you sacrifice a lot to get all of that. Like you sacrifice sleep and time with your children to get that education. You know, you sacrifice um, your health so that you can move up the corporate ladder so you can have that annual income that you have. So you you're used to hard work and you and the sacrifices which you equate to hard work. People think sacrifice hard work means sacrifice. OK, and that's not right. But anyway. But what radical obedience says is that it's not the hard work that gets you the life that you want. It's the faith part. Meaning you don't accept gigs, assignments, opportunities that are not at that intersection of your gifts, your talents and your assignment. And so this is a different paradigm shift because it, it requires you to sit down. <laughs> Listen, it requires you to sit down. Most of us are so used to hard work being the formula for everything that we don't know how to have faith. So, yes, works without faith is dead, but faith without works is deader. Yep, made it up. 
debtor. It's more dead. Okay. Hard work. Listen, works without faith is not going to get you anywhere. You know that already, but you've mastered that to a fault. So now you to a point where now you think you can hard work your way to everything. But radical obedience means that you rely on divine downloads and opportunities that come to you naturally as opposed to chasing and hunting them down all the time because you're so pressed to get ahead. You're so pressed to get more. You're so pressed to make things go quicker than they were naturally meant to go. And so that second indicator that you're living a life of radical obedience is you rely more on faith than you do hard work. Like that temptation to overwork, that temptation to skip a workout, that temptation to pop an energy drink or drink coffee to stay up and get through it um, subsides, like goes away. You don't give in to that temptation, that temptation to, to push yourself further than you want to put. You know, you should sleep. You know, you should rest, but you stay up to get it done. That temptation to sacrifice your health and your rest and your well-being is no longer there, right? Now you shut down when your body tells you to shut down. Now you, you know, say no to opportunities when your gut tells you to, as opposed to being like, well, I need the money or I want the status or I want the flex, right? You, you no longer give in to any of that when you live a life of radical obedience. Everything, like you listen to the body, you listen to the gut, you adhere to the intuition when you live a life of radical obedience. Like you surrender to that intuition, you surrender to that small voice inside of you when you're living a life of radical obedience. It is no longer a works without faith um, process. It's now a faith without works process, right? So faith leads and works follow, follows when you're living a life of radical obedience. Okay, so that's number two. That's number two. Then the final indicator, um, hey Arlette, <laughs> the final indicator that you're living a life of radical obedience, number three, okay, is that it's very, very simple. You're doing your best and you're giving, you're showing up as the best version of yourself. So when I say doing your best, I'm saying that you present to the world the best version of you and you give your best effort every single time. Now listen to this. This might sound weird because it makes me think of workouts. You know how when you have a workout regimen and um, you have a workout regimen and we all know that every workout ain't created equal. Like sometimes you go hard, you sweat and you know, the, 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 the workout might say 10 reps and you do 12. You like, I'm here for it. I got time today. And then other workouts are so-so and you lead a gym like, that was my best, but at least I showed up. Like some workouts, you can only give your credit, yourself credit for showing up. And other workouts, you like, I went hard today, right? That's not radical obedience. Radical obedience means you leave, you leave every assignment, you leave every stage, you leave every client having given your best. With nothing left. Now, this may sound impossible. Like, now, how in the hell I'm going to get my best every time? Lee's like, everybody have off days. Everybody have, you know, just things where they ain't feeling it, right? I promise you, if ever you show up to your assignment not feeling it or not prepared to give your best self, you mismanaged something before you got here. Because I teach this thing called task management. And it's 
Most people think they have a time management problem, but they have a task management problem. Task management is what happens before time management. Time management means you've already said yes to a bunch of stuff, and now you got to make sure you manage your calendar in such a way to get it done. Task management is micromanaging what you say yes to in the first place. So if you ever show up to an assignment and you're not giving your best, it's because you've mismanaged your task. There's something you, you've either crowded a space in your calendar and now you don't have it to give energetically. I've done that before, right? Or you said yes to something that you should not have said yes to. But if you are living radically, radically obedient, you are showing up as your best every single time and you're giving the best version you are the best version of yourself listen one way to know you're being radically obedient is that listen your health physical mental emotional is optimal every day the decisions you make on what to eat what to drink what to read what to watch you know how to sleep right you you never abandon the optimal version of yourself in that decision making Okay, because being radically obedient requires the best of you. Like, even if you checked boxes one and two that I named, but you got a chronic disease, you overweight, right? You're still not radically obedient because the part, the 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 part of your the the your assignment on this planet that was divinely downloaded into you by God requires the best version of you. And if you have excess weight on your body, if you're taking medication for something, if you have stomach issues, if you have sleep problems, if you have a sugar addiction, if you have, you know, a fast food addiction, if you have a diagnosis, right, if you got chronic headaches and chronic constipation, suffice it to say, the best version of you is not being presented at that assignment. And so you're, you're fumbling the assignment, right, because you is impossible to be in absolute service to the world and be sick. It's impossible to be in optimal service on your assignment and to the world and be unhealthy. If you have unresolved trauma, if you, if you abandon your therapy, if you ain't never go to therapy, if you still reeling and grieving over something um, that you have not properly emotionally worked through, right? It's okay to still be grieving, but if you're grieving in an unhealthy manner, should I say, then you're not radically obedient. So if you're unhealthy, whether that be physically, mentally, or emotionally, you are fumbling the assignment and you are not in complete obedience because you might have number one, meaning you are in service and you're satisfied, right? You might have um, number two, which means you operate, you make decisions off of faith and not hard work. But then when it comes to number three, like if you're not showing up as the best version of yourself, that part, as our as our let's say in the comments, if you're not showing up as the best version of yourself, then you're not radically obedient, right? So every decision that I make to work out, every drop of water that I decide to drink every day, every plant that I put in my body is so that my brain can be optimal for the next speech I got to give, for the next talk I got to give, for my next coaching session in one of my programs, right? It's so that I am able to live a life that fills me up because I'm physically capable of doing so. Don't think being overweight is not a pre-existing condition. It is. If you're overweight, you are not radically obedient, period, because your body is not optimal. You're, you're literally putting more work and more pressure on your organs than, that, that they were, than they were meant to take, that they are capable of handling. 
And because of that, there's a part of you that is not performing the way it should be. And so you're not radically obedient. So that's the part you need to get in line, right? That is the part that is required to get in line. All right. So those are the three ways to know whether or not you are radically obedient. And I promise y'all a story. Let me see if we got time. Let me see if we got time. Uh, let me let me tell y'all this story real quick. So um, just a couple days ago, right, I'm leaving uh, Detroit to come here to Cape Town. And so I decided like I'm like, OK, Lisa, you about to live in Cape Town for a month. And um, but I decided I'm not taking two suitcases. All right. And so I had two things. I was traveling with two, for two with two pieces of luggage to live in a whole nother continent for um, for a month. And that was my backpack that housed my electronics, my laptop, my iPad, all of that um, in a in a big suitcase, a, a suitcase that you had to check. Right. Sorry, y'all. I'm losing light. I can't reach the light, though. OK, so I'll go quick. OK, so. There, those were the two things. Let me see if I can pull this curtain back. Oh, that helped. All right, boom. Okay, we got some natural light up in here. Okay, so before the, all right, the sun done went down here in Cape Town, y'all, because it's winter time here. I don't know if y'all know. So it's right now where I am, it's 6 p.m. And um, it's winter time here in Cape Town. So it gets dark early, right? So anyway, so I decided that I'm going to only pack two bags to travel. I was like, Lisa, it's just you. You don't want to have to be hauling all these bags and be trying to be safe and watch your back. Right. So I was like, I am only taking two things, my backpack. That's what I'm going to carry on a plane. And then I'm going to have my big suitcase that I'm going to check. So I get to Delta International Departures the other day. Right. And she's like, boom, put your bag, you know, up on the thing so I can tag it and we can throw it under the plane. So I put my bag up on a baggy thingy and it was overweight. All right. My bag was 61 pounds, right? The, the limit for Delta is 50 pounds. My bag was 61 pounds. All right. And, um, so I'm like, snap. So she, the Delta lady, her name was Gail. Gail was like, Ooh, your bag over. I'm gonna have to charge you a hundred dollars for it. I was like, ah, oh, snap. Now I don't be tripping on stuff like that. I'm like, whatever it is, what it is. This is the exact reason you know, we, we get money. Right. And so the Gail at Delta, she's like, I'm gonna have to charge you an extra hundred dollars cause your bag is overweight. And I was like, Oh man, now, I have been real pleasant with Gail up to this point. Just friendly. Cause I ain't had no reason not to be right. So I've been real kind, just kicking it with her. She like, where you headed? And I'm like Cape town. And she's like, Oh, my son worked in South Africa for a year. He, I was like, did he love it? She's like, he absolutely loved it. So we talked about her son a little bit. I'm like, what do he do? And she told me, and this is all before she had weighed my bag. <laughs> so, we, you know, just exchanging pleasantries. Right. And I'm just telling her, well, you know, listen, I work for myself. Uh, I decided that I wanted to work from somewhere else this summer. And so my first stop is Cape Town, South Africa, and I'm going to be there. She's like, cool. That's what's up. I'm like, yeah. And so then, of course, she put my bag up on that joker and that mug like 61 pounds. Yeah, like, damn, I have to charge you $100. I was like, dang, really? And then, because, you know, usually when your bag is overweight, if you have another suitcase with you, they'll tell you if you want to step aside and take some stuff out of this bag and see if you can fit some in that bag so we can get it down, you can do that. But I ain't had nothing but my backpack, right? So Gail was like, you know what? Now, I didn't even know. Did y'all notice? I didn't even know that they could do this in the airport or at Delta. I don't know if it was the airport Delta, if it was just Gail being a spirit. But y'all tell me if y'all knew this already. Why Gail was like, you know what? 
she looked at the line, saw it was real short, when hardly nobody in the line. She was like, I'll be right back. I'm about to go get you a bag. I said, what? Now, y'all tell me if y'all knew this, because maybe I'm just new, all right? But why? Gail was gone, y'all. She walked away. I don't know where she went, right? Probably to heaven. <laughs> but she walked away for about 15, 20 minutes, okay? Gail came back to the Delta counter rolling a damn suitcase, right? A red suitcase, y'all. A, a red used suitcase. I said, what in the devil? She came back. She said, step aside. Put, take some stuff out your name bag. Put it in this bag. And then, you know, come back up. You ain't got to get back in line or nothing. I'm like, cool. Gail came back with a whole suitcase for me. A used suitcase. I could tell it was used. Probably got it out of the luggage. Somebody, I don't know basically came back down from heaven. <laughs> I stepped aside, boom, 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 took some stuff out of my main bag, put it in the red, in a new red suitcase, got back up there, weighed the new, my, my old luggage. I had dropped down to like 40 some pounds. So that's within weight. The new, the new suitcase, of course, was in weight because I didn't have to put that much in it. And, um, and because I was, because I fly Delta and I, and I think when you fly Delta International, you are automatically get two free bags, either that, or I'm also, um, silver elite, whatever with, with Delta too. So like I get upgrades and stuff like that. So I don't know if it was cause I was flying international or because of my, you know, status with the Delta Sky Club or whatever, but I also get two free bags. So the fact that I was checking two bags instead of one still didn't cost me anything extra. And flying international, y'all. So Gail went and got me. This ain't even the best part of the story yet, though. So Gail went to heaven, <laughs> came back, got me this new bag, filled that up. Then I got to check two bags for free. So, okay, boom. So, so it crushed my original dream of only traveling with one bag and one backpack. But I also saved $100, right? So I was like, oh my God, thank you so much, Gail. I'm like, what the heck? Like, I never heard of this happening before. So I'm just so grateful, right? And so behind me in line was this um, this family and they had a little kid and this little boy was so cute. And he was like, play, he was like saying hi to us and he kept waving. So me and Gail turned around, we like, hi. And Gail was like, he is so cute. She was like, I remember I had another little boy who used to come through my line all the time. Him and his family used to travel all the time. And I was like, oh, really? I was like, um, um, where were they from? She was like, they were from China. And I was like, wow, I used to live in China. I was like, she was like, did you love it? I was like, I loved it, right? And she was like, what were you doing in China? And I was like, oh, I was just teaching. I was teaching English for a year. I was like, I was a teacher then. And I was like, well, I'm still a teacher now, but now I just teach health. I don't teach, you know, English as a second language anymore. Now I teach um, health. I teach plant-based nutrition. I was like, I, I teach. She was like, really? I was like, yeah, I teach people how to reverse chronic diseases using a plant-based diet. And Gail was like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, that's interesting because I have type 2 diabetes. <laughs> now y'all know at this point, I ain't care what time my flight left. I think maybe I don't get to the airport that early because I got pre-check and all that. So I don't have to get all crazy and security. My line is always shorter. So I never get to the airport like two hours. So I think maybe I had maybe 45 minutes to an hour. So I wasn't rushing, rushing. But when Gail said she had type 2 diabetes, I didn't give a damn who was in line behind me. I didn't give a damn what time my flight left. All I knew was I was about to lean into Gail, right? Hey, Cheryl. <laughs> So Gail was like, I have type 2 diabetes. 
And she's like, I've been through three doctors. She's like, I'm on my third one right now. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's type two diabetes. In my mind, type two diabetes is not a massive issue. Not in that it's not a dangerous disease and that it's reversible for most people. Like it's something you can control and reverse. So in my mind, it's not like a life sentence with an incurable disease like Alzheimer's or whatever. It's like, oh, you got type two diabetes. We can fix that, right? So <laughs> Gail's like, I'm on my third doctor. Nobody knows what to do. They're just like, sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm losing light. But they're just like, um, they don't know what to do. And so I was like, Gail, let me tell you. So I was like, you've been a blessing to me. I'm about to be a blessing to you. I was like, she was like, do you have a card? I was like, I don't have a card on me. I had left all my cards at home, y'all. I picked up one of the luggage tags, flipped it over. I wrote down my name, my email, my website, and look at this. I don't even do this. This is how much my head was gone. I wrote down my personal cell phone number. When I tell you one of my rules in life at this stage of my business is to never get out and give out my personal number anymore because I did that early on in my, in my business and I still have some clients and stuff who still have my personal number and I don't, like, I, I just need that boundary, right? This is how much I was not thinking clearly. I was so pressed about helping Gail. I wrote down my personal, I didn't even realize it till like later when I was about to get on the plane, like, dang, I gave her my personal number. I wrote down my personal cell phone number, email, website, everything. And I'm like, Gail, tell me right now you're going to call me. I was like, I can reverse your type 2 diabetes. I was like, what was your last A1C? She says some astronomical, y'all. For those of y'all who don't know, hemoglobin A1C is an average of your, your, your blood sugar for the last three months. It's like a three-month average of your red blood sugar. Anyway, it's a marker that people with diabetes use. So the higher it is, the more dangerous it is. Your A1C should be like 5.6 or lower, okay? So Gail said, I, hers was in the teens, y'all. It was like, I don't know, maybe 13 or 18. It was ridiculous. And I was like, what? I was like, Gail, listen to me very closely, okay? I was like, you've been a blessing to me. You don't went and got me a whole nother bag. I'm about to be a blessing to you. I was like, if you don't do another thing in this life, I need you to call me because I am going to reverse your type 2 diabetes using a whole food plant-based diet. I said, now listen very closely. It's going to require you to adopt a whole food plant-based lifestyle. I was like, I've reversed other people's diabetes. I can do the same for you. But the one thing I need for, from you is I need a, com a, a commitment that you are willing to change your diet to reverse this disease. If you're willing to do that, call me. And she's like, okay, right? Like, so, so, you know, basically what does that mean? And I'm like, we got to give up all animal products, Gail. That's going to be meat. That's going to be turkey. That's going to be seafood. That's going to be dairy. That's going to be cheese. I was like the problem, not I'm literally, I'm in line, the international departure line, y'all people in the getting in line at this point. But I'm leaned over the counter. Them, them bags is gone. It's only me and my backpack and Gail. It wasn't nobody else in my universe, okay? I'm like, Gail, I don't give a damn what these three doctors you done had have told you. I can help you, okay? And listen to me. If you are willing to change your diet, I can guarantee you that I can get your A1C down. Now, listen. I told her. You have to be willing to give up the animal products. You have to be willing to. I was like, most people think diabetes is a sugar issue. But I told her it's like a car accident. 
the sugar that you're trying to micromanage thinking you can't have carbs, you can't have fruit, you can't have all this sugar. That's like the cars backing up on the freeway. I was like, but the cause of the accident is saturated fat, which comes from the animal products. I was like, if we get the saturated fat out of your diet, which is the animal products, the meat, the dairy. I was like, we also got to get rid of refined sugar and all that. But the corporate, when it comes to type 2 diabetes, is animal powered products, is saturated fat. If we get that out of your diet and you follow a whole food plant-based diet in the way in which I'm going to teach you, we can get your diabetes, like we can get your A1C down. She's like, really? Because this is, imagine, this is unbelievable to Gail because she's on her third doctor and everybody keeps telling her, just basically keeps adjusting her dosage of metformin and insulin. So everybody's trying to approach her, her um, disease, her diagnosis from a pharma, pharmacology standpoint. And I'm telling you, I'm going to approach it from a lifestyle standpoint. And she's like, this is crazy. She's like, this makes so much sense because every time I eat, I love chicken. I love fried this. I love that. She was like, every time I eat that stuff, I test my blood sugar. It done shot up. I'm like, yeah, because it's forcing, you know, you need more insulin for that because that's what's blocking the sugar from getting out of your blood into your muscle and liver cells. And she just went crazy. Like what? And I'm like, yeah, she's like, nobody's ever told me this. I was like, I know. Trust me, I know. That's why I now teach doctors this because there's no way you should be on your third doctor and nobody has told you that the problem with type 2 diabetes is not sugar, it's saturated fat. There's no way you should be on three doctors and nobody know, knew that up until this point. That is insane to me. Hold on, y'all. Let me, uh, I gotta turn this light on. It's getting too dark. Hold on. One second. Okay, we back. <laughs> oh, we rocking and rolling now. Okay, so that's insane to me that nobody's told you that, that up until this point, that the corporate of type 2 diabetes is not sugar, right? I said all that to say. I know this was a live about radical obedience. But number one, you know how they say your gift will make room for you? I want y'all to understand what that means in this context, right? Like, Living a life of radical obedience will provide you more opportunities to be obedient. I didn't give a damn if I missed my flight. I didn't give a damn that the line was backing up behind me. I didn't care what was going on. Soon as Gail told me she had type 2 diabetes, I took off my traveler cap and put on my coach cap. I said, you say what now? And you on three doctors? And all they keep doing is adjusting your medications? What in the world? So... Being radically obedient provides favor. It provides mag, it makes you magnetic, right? But it also allows you, like, you operate on a higher vibrational frequency. Does that make sense, y'all? So because my vibrational frequency was high, when I walked up to her counter, before we even knew that my luggage was overweight, before I even knew that she was a type 2 diabetic, from the beginning of our conversation, the rapport was there. I suspect because she too was living radically obedient. You could, she was phenomenal at customer service. Phenomenal. She was doing what she was meant to do. Now, we don't all have them agents that be trash and rude and trying to hurry you along and dismissive, right? But Gail wasn't that. She was a phenomenal agent with Delta. So I'm being obedient, she being obedient, right? And we were both in service to others, right? Like attracts like. Right. So she helped me with my bag, went out of her way to walk away from her counter 
About 15 minutes gone, she looked, she said, what time your flight leave? I got time. I must go get you a whole new bag. Hey, I ain't never heard of that happening to nobody whose luggage been overweight. It's like either hand over this money or take something out this bag. But then she revealed to me something that was in my wheelhouse. So service was in her wheelhouse. Service was in my wheelhouse, right? And we were both able, like, I, she was a blessing to me. I was a blessing to her. Like, I just almost fainted from the, <laughs> for how beautiful the whole experience was. And I made Gail promise me out of her own mouth before I walked away from that counter. I said, Gail, promise me you're going to call me. Promise me you're going to call me. Because listen, y'all already know you can lead them to water, but you can't make them drink. I'm telling her, I don't care what your previous three doctors done, done told you. I can help you with your type 2 diabetes diagnosis. And then, God willing, I can help them. <laughs> you feel me? I can get them inside the other 23 or my certification or something because it don't make no sense. That you done been through three doctors and all they keep telling you is your issue is sugar when your real issue with type 2 diabetes is saturated fat. How did, none, how did nobody know that? Right? Anyway, so radical obedience makes you magnetic. You attract the people you're meant to be in service to. You attract the opportunities that you're meant to say yes to. Right? And then it also... You know, it also ensures that your vibrational frequency is so high that other people want to be in service to you. There is no downside to living a life of radical obedience. There is no negative side to living a life of radical obedience. It's all up. It's all up. There is not one downside. All right. So I'm going to review the three things again because I've been on here nearly an hour now, but I'm going to review these three things again. So three ways again. To, to identify whether or not you're living a life of radical obedience. And we had a little story time at the end here. But three ways to know whether or not you're living a life of radical obedience is the first, you're in service and you're satisfied. So you're just being in service is not enough because there's a whole, ways, a whole bunch of ways to be in service in the world, but they don't necessarily satisfy you. It's just the right thing to do, like volunteering, you know, at, during Christmas time or, you know, being an usher at your church or, you know, doing, you know, work as a social worker like I used to do. Right. In service. Yes. Satisfied. No. So one way to know whether or not you're being radical obedience, that you're in service and you're satisfied. OK. The second way to know whether or not you're being radical obedient is that every decision you make um, and every move you make is led by faith and not works. You know, they, the scripture tells us that works without faith is dead. OK, but to live a life of radical obedience is faith without works is dead. So faith leads, works follows. Right. In in America, at least the hustle culture would tell you that work leads and faith follows. That is not the formula for radical obedience. The formula for radical obedience is Faith leads and works follow. So Lisa, you don't work hard when you're being radical obedient? Yeah, you work damn hard. Trust me, I had to work real hard to decide to live in Cape Town, South Africa this summer, right? Like to be able to do this comfortably. Like I've worked my butt off, but it was all right within the realm of radical obedience. I did not stop, step out, out of bounds to do this. And I don't want you to think you have to. My health is not sacrificed, right? I didn't go... I didn't decide I wanted to live in Cape Town, South Africa this summer and then Switzerland next month and, you know, overwork myself, stop working out, stop drinking water just in the pursuit of money just so I can be. No, no, no. no. Matter of fact, if I'm being completely honest, I decided that I was going to live in Cape Town, South Africa this summer and then Switzerland, maybe, maybe, maybe 45 days before I did it. This was not a year long plan. This was not years in the making. 
this was, you know what? I don't feel like being here for the summer in Michigan. I'm le- I'm going to go. I have the privilege in working for myself that I can work from anywhere, right? So I'm about to do just that. So this was a maybe 45 day head start decision. This was not a, I've been planning this from January decision. No, no, no. This was, I'm about to go somewhere else. Hmm, where do you want to go? Well, you got a sun allergy, so you need to go somewhere where it ain't too hot in the summer. Why don't you go somewhere where it's winter time? Why don't you go, I wanted to go somewhere where it was black people. I wanted to go somewhere where it wasn't um, going to be burning up, right? I wanted to go somewhere where the cost of living will be low, okay? And I got everything I wanted, and it's beautiful, and I love it here. Okay, but this was a maybe 30, 45 day head start decision. So I didn't hadn't already planned out how much it was going to all cost. I just knew I was going to do it. Right. Radical obedience allowed me to do that. I didn't, you know, sacrifice for months or years to save up for it or to carve out the time in my life. All my relationships is good. Everybody back home is healthy. I didn't have to be there for that. Like there's things that I have been obedient to before making this decision that allowed me to make this decision quick and act on it. All right. So radical obedience, faith leads, work follows. All right. Third and final way that you know you are living a life of radical obedience um, is that you are the best version of yourself and you give your best every single time. Now that may sound crazy to some people like I can't imagine every time I show up to work, I do my best, (laughs) right? Some of us like admittedly don't give our best all the time, but living a life of radical obedience means every stage that I step on, every mic I put in my hand, every student body that comes before me in an effort to learn something about their health, they need to know and understand, understand that they are getting the best version of me. Right. I don't care how many other speakers are on the panel. I don't care how many other speakers are on the lineup. You best know Lisa A. Smith is going to be one of the most fire you've ever seen, if not the best that day. Why? Because she showed up already with a spirit of excellence. So everything that I show up to, right, that's in line with my assignment, because my mission is to extend the healthy life expectancy of black people on this planet. So that means every assignment that I'm called to do, in pursuit of that mission has to be the best. I can't show up teaching somebody about chronic kidney failure, about fatty liver disease, about hypertension, about obesity, about the power of plants, about mental clarity um, and be half ass. Right. Because I'm trying to save somebody's life. I could say something in that talk, in that email, in that podcast episode that can save somebody's life. I can't afford to have a lapse in memory. I can't afford to be exhausted and tired when I'm trying to deliver that. Right. And so radical obedience means that you give your best every damn time, not most of the time, not 90 percent of the time, not 99 percent of the time. When I showed up to do this live right here, I knew what I wanted to say. I was prepared. I'm energy. I don't been drinking my water all day. I don't had two gigantic servings of plants today. I don't go live if I can't give my best to y'all. And so that's what radical obedience is, is mean I'm physically, emotionally right? And mentally fit to do the job. And some of us, we can't live a life of radical obedience because we're literally unfit. Unfit. You know how you go to court, you have unfit parents. Yeah. Yeah. Some of y'all is unfit, like either physically unfit, mentally unfit, emotionally unfit, intellectually unfit, financially unfit. Like it's some things you have been dropping the ball on that is not allowing you to show up fully. 
And so you bring the best version of yourself and you give the best every time you show up. That's it. That's all. Am I finished or am I done? <laughs> That's it. I'm about to go find some dinner somewhere. Because listen, I didn't edit my calendar before I came to South Africa, y'all. And we six hours ahead. So again, it's 6 p.m. here. Uh, and so I still have stuff on my calendar. So I got a suitability call tonight at 9 p.m. And I have another suitability call tonight at midnight. So it's 6 p.m. her time, but it's going to be midnight for me. So listen. There's another reason you got to be fit. You never know when you're going to forget to shut your calendar off and you got to be up. Right. So I listen, I got my workout in this morning. Uh, I'm about to get some dinner in between these calls because I have two more with this time change for this evening. But I hope this was meaningful for you guys. And I hope that um, that resonated and helps you to understand that the point of getting healthy in the first place, the reason I promote plants so much and promote a whole food plant based diet so much is not just for the sake of being plant-based and not just, you know, healthy for healthy sake, right? That's your human right. Like optimal health is your human right, but it's so that you can leverage your health in order to live a life of radical obedience. Somebody say it with me. The point of being optimally healthy outside of being healthy for healthy sake is to leverage your health. So if you know you are fit, like you're, you're optimally healthy, you feel good, right? Like physically, mentally, and emotionally, your EQ is up. Right. Your mental clarity is there. Your physical body is in line and you are not using that fitness to live a life of radical obedience, meaning surrendering to the divine download that God gave you. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You wasting a, a perfectly grade A fit body and mind because the point is to be in service to others. y'all. That's the whole point. All right. So don't waste that fit level once you attain it and make sure you remember if you need help staying on track. Right. Like Lisa, this sugar be calling me, this cheese be calling me, this meat be calling me. It's because maybe you haven't given your health an assignment. Right. My health has an assignment. Right. The reason I don't touch that sugar, you know, the reason I don't touch that junk is because I know that it will compromise my assignment. That when I show up to my next class for my students, when I show up to my next speaking gig, right, I'm going to be compromised. And that's me fumbling the assignment. It's not that my waist about to get bigger or my belly ain't going to go down. Or even that I, I have a stomach ache because some of y'all stomach aches don't even mean nothing no more. I got people that's close to me that eat stuff that they know ain't going to make them feel good and they don't stop them from eating it. So that ain't even mean good enough for you. Your body telling you we don't like this ain't good enough for you. So maybe you need to take it one step further and give your health an assignment. OK, you give your you assign your health an assignment. Right. And that's how you stay on track. And that's how you stay regimented to your workouts, to your water, to the plants, to the therapy, to the, you know, time and task management, creating boundaries, saying no, because it, it has to be in line with the assignment. OK. And remember, your assignment was given to you in the womb. It has nothing to do with what you want to do, it has everything to do with what you were called to do. All right. If you miss this, you need to go back and listen to the whole thing um, or you can wait till it drops on my podcast, the Black Health Academy podcast. This will be up in probably about maybe four weeks or so. Um, so follow if you like what you heard today and you want to hear more of this content because I talk about obedience all the time. Um, then you want to follow the Black Health Academy podcast. Search for it on Apple Podcasts. Search for it on SoundCloud um, or wherever you get podcasts. Search for the Black Health Academy podcast and follow us there. And that's where you can get content like this on a regular basis. Listen, I have three seats left. Let me tell y'all something. This final semester of Farm to Table is about to be 
fire. This is the last year that I'm teaching my signature plant-based coaching program, Farm to Table. So if you know that you, it's time for you to get fit so you can live a life of radical obedience, and I need you to apply for Farm to Table, okay? The fall semester is happening October 1st to December 3rd, 2022, the final semester that I'm teaching. So it is symbolic. It is going to be, it's going to be fireworks. And, um, all I can tell you is we got three seats left. This mug done filled up way quicker, quicker than I expected. Like we ain't even in August yet. We not even in September yet. This class don't start to October 1st. We got 17 people enrolled already. I got three, maybe four seats. We might be able to go to 21 seats if, um, if we get an alumni, another alumni that enrolls because they don't need the intention that brand new students need. But I have for sure three seats left. Um, left and farm the table for the fall semester. So if you're interested in being coached by me inside a farm to table, then you want to apply at lisaangelsmith.com forward slash apply. lisaangelsmith.com forward slash apply. If you're watching this on Instagram, just click the link in my bio. Same thing on Facebook. You can just click the link in my bio on Facebook um, and it'll take you to the website to apply for Farm to Table. Listen, Farm to Table is my signature plant-based coaching program that's designed for people with imminent health challenges, right? So you either have a diagnosis or something that's undiagnosed that you can't explain <laughs> or something you've been battling for years, everything from headaches to constipation to joint pain, right? Um, or you might have a formal diagnosis of hypertension, high cholesterol, memory loss. Let me tell y'all something that's coming next year. I ain't supposed to tease y'all with that this early, but I'm uh, listen, I'm doing some work with the brain next year. Those of y'all who are looking for that mental clarity um, and like want to, you know, save up like understanding dementia, understanding Alzheimer's, under, understanding brain fog, understanding ADHD, understanding loss of concentration. We about to take it to the next level for y'all. I'm coming for y'all. I'm about to get y'all mind right, but that's later. I'll tease that more later, okay? That's coming much later. Um, over a year at least, so let me not get too hyped because then people start emailing you like, when you gonna do the program about the brain? Just wait for it. It's coming, all right? I'm in the lab right now working on it. You know, what you do in the, you do, how long you stay in the dark determines how long it shines in the light, right? So I'm in the dark right now doing the work and I'll reveal that to y'all later. But for those of you who need to get your physical health together. Shout out to Nataki who put it in the chat for me on Facebook, lisaangelsmith.com forward slash apply. She just graduated from Farm the Table last semester. Um, make sure you apply because we got three seats left and I think one of them going to be gone this evening. I got a suitability call in like less than three hours and this is a follow up. So I think, well, I think we might only have two seats left at this point because I'm pretty sure she about to hop in. Um, but make sure you do what's required. If you know you cannot DIY your health challenges and you know you need a coach to take you to the next level in your health, just get a coach. Like, you know how crazy it is that we spend years trying to DIY stuff? Like a coach, because you can't see your own blind spots. I'm telling you, I done spent over 50K in coaching in the last like year and a half alone. So I'm not capping. I'm speaking from experience. Like I pay for coaching and I charge for coaching. Okay. Um, so it is like one of the best investments you can make when you really vet the person and have faith that they know what the heck they're doing. Um, so if that's you, if you've been following me for a while, if you've been on the fence about farm to table, I'm telling you right now. 
you got two seats left to get off the fence. Not two months, because I already know we're going to sell out way before October 1st. You got two seats left to get off the fence, okay? Um, and then I got to cap it, y'all. So um, we're going to have a full semester, at least 20 people this semester. is going to get crazy. So I'm excited to welcome you guys um, into the program. And I'm Arlette, what you mean me? Me what? <laughs> um, Arlette is in my the other 23. Oh, yeah, for those health professionals who need to... Um, who are interested. Remember Gail's doctor I talked about earlier who needs to be working with me because they didn't know that type 2 diabetes was a saturated fat issue and not a sugar issue. So if you're a health professional, no, listen, don't be ashamed of what you don't know. Just come get the knowledge. All right. So if you're a health professional or you got health professionals that you know don't know enough about nutrition science and in order to help their patients or their clients the way they need to, send them my way. It ain't, it ain't no judgment here. Like I applaud you know, those who are able to put their ego aside and admit they didn't learn everything they needed to learn in medical school, come get this health, all right? So if you're a health professional, whether that be a health coach, a fitness trainer, a doctor, a nurse, um, you're already a dietitian, but I already know because I almost became a dietitian till I learned that you were not allowed to make recommendations outside of what the USDA says you could recommend. I said, oh, hell, I'm not about to recommend dairy because you, you put that on a food chart for America. So anyway, so if you went to school to be a dietitian, a nurse, a MD, a DO, a naturopath, right? You're a mental health therapist. Like if you're in any realm, whether you work with people's minds or bodies, you need to master nutrition and science. And I'm your girl. So you want to apply for the other 23, all right? So that's lisaangelsmith.com forward slash the other 23. lisaangelsmith.com forward slash the other 23. Um, and apply for my plant-based and coaching certification. It's a year-long container. Um, if you're farm-to-table alumni, um, you can um, uh, enroll year-round. If you're not an alumni, you're going to have to hop on the wait list right now, okay? So we we are no longer taking applications from the general public right now. Enrollment is closed, um, but you can hop on the wait list to get preference when it opens back up in a few months, all right? So that's that. That's all I got. Um, Cheryl said, yeah, absolutely. Cheryl on Facebook said I had no idea dietitians were restrained like that. Yes. When I was pre-med at Wayne State, I remember um, we had like this assignment or, like in the clinic and uh, one of the ladies was a dietitian and I think we were role playing and um, and I was already plant based then. So I knew a lot about the power of food and plants or what have you. And I was like, I, she, she showed me the form that they had to give to people. I think it was with diabetes or some other chronic disease. And I was like, but it's dairy on here. It's this on here. And she was like, yeah. I was like, but that doesn't help this condition that you're trying to treat. And she was like, we have to have that on there. They dictate, you know, what like the USDA has to be based on dietary recommendations that come down from the US government. And so I knew in that moment, I said, oh, hell no. I said, oh, so... She's like, our hands are tied. We can't bring our personal. She's like, we can't bring, you know, our personal beliefs into the job. If we're going to work maybe at a hospital or something, I'm sure it depends on where you work. Like if you were a dietitian, but like, like just like a doctor, like let's say you decide I ain't working in the hospital. I ain't working in their system no more. You know, you can still call yourself a doctor. You still call yourself a dietitian. But as long as you're working in their infrastructure, you have to make their recommendations. It's the same reason, you know, um, Cheryl, you know, Dr. Uh, Marbus, it's the same reason our plant based doctor um, has to charge you that the insurance won't cover it. It's because if she took insurance as a plant based MD, 
she couldn't make only plant-based or lifestyle recommendations. She has to practice pharmacology first. And so that's why they don't take insurance. The same thing. So as soon as a doctor or somebody disconnects from the system, then they can do what they want. But as long as you're part of their system, you have to make their recommendation. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a janky hookup. That's why I dropped out of pre-med. I was like, I'm not about to do all this to get MD behind my name and still got to, you know, play the role until I'm able to be free. Y'all got me messed up. Because I think even if I did my residency in a hospital, I would have had to get the flu shot, for example. And I'm anti-flu shot. I don't believe it. I never had one, never going to have one. So there's certain things I was not willing um, to um, agree to in order to operate in that system to get that MD behind my name. So I didn't, I dropped out of pre-med, right? But look at God. <laughs> now I train the doctors. Won't he do it? Um, so that's it. Listen, y'all got me on here way too long. All right. It's 630 here in Cape Town. It's dark outside, y'all. Like, I wish I could show y'all my view. It's insane. Oh, I did show y'all my view. <laughs> well, I'm going to show y'all some more. It's been amazing. Um, uh, but it's dark here. So uh, I'm about to go get ready for these rest of these calls and have some dinner. Uh, while I wait, the cost of living here is insane, y'all. Insane. Like, it's it's a steal. Like, steal. <laughs> okay? Um, so, living a plant-based lifestyle is super easy. So, if anybody has plans on uh, visiting Cape Town, South Africa, I don't know about the rest of Africa, but I know here in Cape Town, it is golden. The money goes far, far. You hear me? Uh, one U.S. dollar is equivalent to 17 rand. So, um, or South African rands or czar or however. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a dope deal. Okay. It was expensive getting here, but after that it's a game changer. So anyway, I'll talk to y'all on the other side. Make sure y'all follow the black health Academy podcast, and then make sure you guys, um, subscribe to the podcast and apply for farm to table. If, um, you know, that's the next best step for you. All right. Uh, yeah, Churro, you definitely need to come through cause it, we live good and eat good here. Like I thought I was going to be grocery shopping and cooking. I ain't went to the grocery store yet because the cost of eating out is just so ridiculously wonderful. Um, and I got myself on a daily food budget and I'm staying well within it. So it's been nice, but I'm sure I'll go to the grocery store at some point um, whenever I get around to it. All right, y'all. That's all I got. <laughs> Let me hop off before I just keep talking into the, sun <laughs> into the sunset. I got more work to do. Bye y'all. Ciao. <laughs>